From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. You have to love the ability of the Marxist mafia flipping the agenda, distracting from truth. Now the whole thing is 27 27 dead and it's in historic floods. Where did all this take place? Where did all this take place? Mainly Democrat hubs. Has anybody looked at how they've kept up the infrastructure? See, I know what the storm the storm system looks like in Chicago, Illinois. They haven't touched it in 100 years, although you've been paying for it every day. I know that when we have the little projects that are supposed to help the infrastructure, you know, before they started to spend trillions on it. What's happened to that money? They've absconded. How about uh, in my by my house, they have the, the underground tunnel. Billions and billions and billions of dollars. What, 15 years? Is the tunnel done? No. Does it work? No. Where's the money? Where's the money? You want to talk to a couple of connected cement guys to find out where the money is? Somehow it finds its way back in the Democrat coffers. And now when this happens, 27, and it's tragic when 27 people die, just as tragic as it is when 27 kids kill 27 other kids in the city of Chicago or New York or New Jersey, that's also tragic. That doesn't get the, the headlines hour after hour after hour because they're trying to distract from the obvious failure that even Democrats recognize. Here, Biden, there's a new poll out. Only 43% approval rating. Well, seeing how 50% of the country's on welfare and government cheese and they're interested in the new expansion the Biden administration has just launched illegally and illegitimately, either they did that or we should just get rid of Congress. I still don't know what Congress does. You love the fact it's a constant assault, a constant propaganda mission of flipping your attention so that you never believe your lying eyes. So that you're repeating, regurgitating, talking points of the Marxists who ultimately have one simple answer. More money. That's it. More money, more taxes, more control of citizens. But today it was astonishing to me to watch these idiots that are part of the Biden administration, particularly the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, who sounds like a cartoon character and acts like one. And then there's General Milley. The picture of sexual frustration on a middle-aged man, it's despicable and disgusting. But man, oh man, I love the way they lie to me. Can you make it so when I hit the button, the sounds hits? Thank you, Macbeth. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, those sandwiches were on sale. And um, he went and got a couple. So we're going to have to wait until we get to the button here. And in the meantime, what he's going to tell you is they're going to tout... Now, we have just concluded the largest air evacuation of civilians in American history. It was heroic... It was historic. Now, are the generals going to tell us what heroic and historic is? How about we get to decide? Because it looks to me like you left 80,000 visa holding members, you know, guys that helped us out over the last 20 years, high and dry. And I'm being polite. You left what? What what was the number that diapers Biden pulled out of his shoe? You left either 100 or 200. How'd you get to that number? I made it up like my college standing in, uh, uh, in school with grades, like I made up the speeches that I plagiarized. You just pulled it out of the shoe. And for Democrats, that seems to be enough. But this, to me, is so offensive. When will be the call for people to step down, to be fired? And the answer is never. Because if you're listening to the 
Republican oligarchs, the hierarchy. Mitch McConnell says there's no need to proceed with an impeachment. There's no need to call for resignations. After all, we don't have the House or the Senate, which means Mitch McConnell, old lady face, is going to do what he's been doing for 40 years. Using failure of government to raise money and control. Because Mitch McConnell controls from soup to nuts the Republican Party. So this idea that we're going to fund these scoundrels and then hope they help us. I'm going to tell you something. Don't. Because it's not going to go down that way. Now, I like Mike Huckabee sometimes. Most of the times I don't trust him because I I never forget what he is. A politician. A fraud. Sometimes he's got good points. But every once in a while, he'll let you know the truth. Even when he's criticizing, rightfully so, the Biden administration. Listen to the entire clip. Governor Huckabee joins us this morning. Uh, Governor, very good timing on your part. Glad you're here. I want to zero in on that July 23rd phone call. Why is the administration so quiet about it? The amazing thing is that uh, Donald Trump was impeached over a phone call that turned out to be completely innocent and uh, no big deal. This is a big deal because basically the president of the United States is putting pressure on the president of Afghanistan to outright lie. That's what he's asking him to do, to cover for him. And, and that is just an extraordinary breach of trust, not only of that president, but more importantly, of the American people. Now Huckabee's right. See, this is the Republican scam. Let's get us all. You're right. You're right, Huckabee. You're absolutely right. He did that. He should be impeached. If there was an equality of, of standards in this country, Joe Biden wouldn't be sitting there right now. The call of where he had the Afghan president, the acting president, lie, and then I'm sure he didn't cut the deal. I'm sure I'm just speculating on this, where he could pack helicopters full of cash, our cash, and then leave, and no one will look for him, and there will be no repercussions. I'm sure that didn't happen. So Huckabee's got us, right? He's going to be all there. And then what happens when we... Talk about impeachment. And what we've seen is a complete collapse of confidence. You mentioned the poll of 32% of Democrats wanting to go. ABC News did a poll earlier this week. 84% of the American people believe that we should not leave Americans stranded, which leads me to wonder, who are the people who think we should leave Americans stranded? Now, here's the answer. The ones in charge. You see, when the Bolsheviks destroyed the once great country of Russia and turned it into the Soviet Union, they made up 10% of the population. That was it. However, they were the most important 10%. So he's got us once again, right? We're in the majority. Let's be proud of ourselves. Let everybody get going now. Thank goodness there's only 16% of them, but let's hope that maybe the next time people are stranded, it's them. But what does this do to the administration? If the leaks keep coming and the questions keep being asked and the, the White House is really under siege, can it get anything done? Can it relate to the rest of the world in an atmosphere like that? Or is the administration paralyzed? The answer to that really depends on whether or not the press does its job. Are they going to step up and finally be journalists? No, that's a false red herring. It's whether the Republicans, like you, like old lady face Mitch McConnell... Like that dimwit who runs the, uh, the, the Congress, Kevin McCarthy, he's good for absolutely nothing except photo opportunities and fundraising. It's the Republicans, not the press. Everybody knows what the press is. Even they know what they are. And I'm going to go to Don Lamone and his idiot cohort, Cuomo. How's your brother doing, scumbag?
Are they going to continue to be toadies and complete acolytes for the Democrats and the far left? If they do their jobs, they cannot ignore this story. It is huge. But the question is, will they do their jobs or will they just look the other way in a manner in which they would never do? Now he's placating you. And you're all, everybody's nodding their head. You're exactly right, Huckabee. So what's the answer? If this were not just Donald Trump, but any Republican. So if they do their jobs, he's done. If they don't do their jobs and they do what they normally do, he probably rides it out. Do you want to see the president done, resigning or impeached? Because that would mean President Harris. I don't want it for the country. There's the difference. There's the difference. Before... Trump took the oath of office. They were talking impeachment. You remember what the dummy Sharpton said? But resist, we much. We must and we will much about that be committed. That's right, dummy. See, that's how they think. They're not worried. Were they worried that Pence was going to take over? We have no fortitude. I was going to say testicle fortitude, but there's ladies present. We have no fortitude. And when you have... These are the kingmakers right here, ladies and gentlemen. Mitch McConnell, Huckabee, they are the ones who decide, and those like them, aside from the lobbyists that own them, like chiclets in their pocket. Uh, Because it's not a good thing for us. I I don't like that. Now, do do you seriously not think it would be a great thing for the opposition to the American Marxist mafia? What would it do for us? Aside from bring everyone together to understand we are a representative republic and our representatives are not going to take the kind of abuse that Joe Biden represents. And I mean abuse of his policies, not even talking about his faculties, which is if this country had any standards, they would yank this moron off stage like it was vaudeville and we had a big wooden hook. Also don't like when a person has lied to us and left Americans stranded and has shown little empathy whatsoever. So there's no good solution here. There's an absolute good solution. You don't like it. I don't like this. It's not good for the country. As if riding out three and a half years of this weekend at Bernie's pretending to be president is somehow good for our kids and our grandkids. As at every turn, all they do is expand their power and bankrupt our nation, not just financially, but morally. It is an absolute obligation for the opposition of the corruption, the incompetence, the failure and the lies that the Biden administration represents to not impeach him today. 312-642-5600. Even if you're going to lose, sometimes you still have to put up the fight. After all, what are you? And before you know it, I mean, I'll tell you what, I, I, I feel like I've been through, maybe it's because we live in the sewer of Democrat corruption, Chicago, Illinois. Before you know it, this will be gone, forgotten. That's why they're not talking about the individual people, the stories left behind. Can you imagine right now, and I'm dead serious about this, how many people are hiding in houses Just hoping that those 7th century savages don't kick the door in and behead them. If they're lucky, behead them. Torture them. Rape them. This for them is standard operating procedure. And by the way, I guess they got a new leader. Alibaba somebody. He's going to be a cultist of some kind. And they'll be screaming that nonsense from the 5th century. Chopping heads off. It's going to be great. And the terrorists are building up. And who gives a rip? It certainly isn't going to be the professional liar, Pippi Lystocking. 
wanted to get to the um, Taliban and questions of whether it's keeping its promise uh, for amnesty. Uh, there's oh, yeah. from the BBC. So first uh, of all, is there anybody out there? Is there a Taliban member? Are they known for keeping promises or their word? Or are they known for stoning their wives? For raping little boys and some sheep? Are they known for the most evils among man? But we're going to trust them. They're going to let our people be. Oh, it's going to be okay. In fact, they're going to be like the new orbits. We're going to call, and I'm going to say, I'd like to arrange a travel. We'd like you to send you know, the, the key family members and those people who helped us kill you guys for 20 years. We'd like you to send them to Kansas. I got a job interview at a McDonald's there, and uh, I think we can help them out. Some color from that story. Since the Taliban came to power, one man said they haven't stopped killing. A few days ago, this person said they killed 12 members of special forces in Kandahar, three soldiers in Jalalabad as well. The Taliban took them out of their homes and shot them. Given this kind of reporting that we're hearing, is it possible that our reliance on the Taliban to keep their word in terms of our evacuation is misplaced for going back on things like the amnesty promise? Well, first, I don't have any confirmation of those details. I'm not questioning the BBC's reporting. I just don't have any confirmation of them from the U.S. government. I would certainly point you to the Department of Defense and others who might have additional details. And that's why you impeach. That's why you start to be proactive rather than maybe I could use this to raise some money for the GOP. I think it is almost astonishing that Republicans are not already outraged at the way Mitch McConnell runs the GOP like his personal company. I think it is outrageous that those seats on those special committees, Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, what's the energy one, Mick, about the scam where they, 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 the most powerful Ways and Means, Ways and Means Committee, Financial Committee, you do know that how our Congress people, senators, how they get those, they buy them from Mitch McConnell. And the GOP. That's how government really works. They're not putting experts on there. They're putting the most well-funded by lobbyist politicians on there. And old lady face Mitch, he's not going to let go of that power. No, he doesn't want to upset that apple cart. He likes this failure because it's got the real Americans very upset. And we definitely want to make it in. And he's not going to make it in. He's going to milk it. Because this is a new earner for him. He's not interested in solving a damn thing. Because he knows... That, that that propaganda machine media, he knows they're already going to turn it. He knows he can rally against it. Isn't it a shame? Isn't it disgraceful how the media only regurgitates Democrat talking points? You know what can help us? A campaign contribution. A donation to the GOP. That's why he's not demanding, demanding an impeachment, demanding a review. Look at what happened here on January 6th, right? couple of morons rubbed their derriere on Nancy Pelosi's stapler. We're spending tens of millions of dollars. The world stops. It's an insurrection and yada, yada, yada. Why aren't the Republicans calling for an investigation, a committee meeting, a hearing on all of this shenanigans? Because they're, they just want to raise money. They make me sicker than the Soviets we're running against. They make me sicker because they're in on the scam. And that's all they want to be because they know it pays big money. Dave and Downers Grove. First off, Sean, I want to just say fun. Second, uh, Biden's the best at being worse, and uh, he can't even lie good, because during his speech, he gave a 10% people were left in the uh, Afghanistan, but his own people are saying less than 200. Everyone knows 10% of 500 is 500 plus. 
Yeah, but you're going to get you're paying you're paying way too close to the details because what they don't want you to focus it on is that over our 20 years we gave out over 80,000 special visas telling the people that worked with us and helped us that we were going to always protect them and we abandoned every single one of them except the ones that had enough clout to get in. So the whole damn thing, even the evacuation was run like the DMV in the city. You know the right guy, you got a guy, then you get on the plane. You don't you could whistle Dixie and hope that the savages don't chop your head off and rape your kid. David in Lansing. Sean, uh, the, the Republican voter sitting at home is actually, they should take the gloves off and get their political knuckles aligned because we need to get this freak out of there. The, the more that they leave them in there, the more I think that, you know, uh, Democrats, I suspect that this was done in favor of China because, I mean, like, you know, the timing of this uh, Afghanistan fall was right after the second Hunter laptop thing. And this, this, um, uh, I like it. You uh, could save that for conspiracy. Make me believe Monday. I, I think it's more of an appropriate time. But I like I like where you're going with it. But the, 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 the reality is, and, and, and the broader point, is why fix the problem when you can make a fortune? This is why it is crucially important to go to states that are not that corrupted, that are run on principle. I'm dead serious about this. They have us separated enough to where we're helpless. It's when we come together in areas that have the same vision that we can get pure Republicans. You're never going to get a Republican worth squat in Illinois because the Illinois Republicans will fight to keep him out. I'm not saying there aren't good Republican politicians. There are. The problem is they're not in that corrupt oligarch we call a Illinois Republican Party. So it's time to abandon that's exactly how it is. And, and by the way, we're a microcosm. It's the same in New York. It's the same in, in uh, uh, Pennsylvania. It's the same in New York and New Jersey. It's the same because they're the same. That's why my, I, have a, I have a relative who gets mad. I always say the Marxist mafia. It is a mafia. They share like the mafia. They enforce like the mafia. They extort like the mafia. They're corrupted like the mafia. That's the real mafia. Mafia is in seven Italian guys playing pinochle and talking about the spread on the Bears game. Thank you very much for the call, David. I appreciate it. All right, I went long. 312-642-5600. I'll be back after this. Jacob Sullum is a senior editor at Reason, nationally syndicated columnist. He's the author of a book I really enjoyed. For Your Own Good, The Anti-Smoking Crusade and the tyranny of public health. And boy, oh boy, the tyranny of public health. To think how right he was. Jacob, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? All right, how are you? A little disgusted because I really don't like to be told things. I'm a terrible, terrible uh, slave would be the best way to do it. And um, I'm reading, you know, I'm I, obviously we see what's going to happen in the future. It feels worse than what we just experienced when it comes to the... Uh, CDC's abuse of power, the administration's abuse of power. I live in Illinois, and we have, you know, that very unfit uh, governor who is very comfortable telling me how to be healthy. And uh, the writing is on the wall, and I was reading a couple of your articles and the argument for the CDC's supremacy. I'd like to talk about that with you for a little bit. All righty. So um, the CDC, is there anything they can't do? Well, uh, according to the CDC, there's not much that they can't do. Uh, the Supreme Court did not agree. Um, that case involved the CDC's eviction moratorium, where they told landlords across the country that if you have tenants 
who say they can't afford to pay the rent, you have to continue housing them anyway. And the justification for that was that if people have to change residences, they might have to move in with other people, they might have to move into homeless shelters, and this will increase the opportunity for uh, transmitting COVID. Uh, and they said this, they had the power to do this because there is a 1944 law that gives the CDC the authority to implement regulations aimed at preventing the interstate spread of communicable diseases. Now, that, that law had never been interpreted uh, in, uh, nearly as broadly before. Just to give you, it, it's rarely been used, that particular provision. And to give you an example of the sort of things the CDC has done with it in the past, they banned the sale of small turtles that ca- carry salmonella. And that, that fits squarely within the examples that are given in the statute. But what they, what they said is that we can do anything that we think is going to help prevent the spread of, of communicable diseases. So certainly the eviction moratorium, but, but really anything. So they could, in, under that theory, impose nationwide lockdowns. They could close businesses. They could require people to stay home. They could you know, ban people from moving, which would be a broader approach than just you know, uh, banning evictions. Uh, they could order everybody to get the vaccine, for sure. Um, and, and you know, really, there's no limit. To, as long as they say it's, it's necessary to help prevent the spread of disease, uh, they could do it. And the Supreme Court said, no, <laughs> that's not a plausible reading of the statute. It seems quite unlikely that Congress uh, meant to give you that power. The Texas statute does not suggest that. And if it really wanted to appoint you dictator over the country in, in areas having to do with communicable diseases, it, it would have done so more explicitly. And somebody probably would have noticed it. Uh, during the 76 years that elapsed between the yeah. passage of the statute and the CDC imposing the eviction moratorium. So in states like mine in Illinois, our governor implemented basically the same law, even in the face of this. And the reality is these bureaucracies have been using this this phony power of regulation as law. But when you're a uh, – it's never really talked about the de- the damage and the devastation this has already done to small-time landlords and people who were building their life savings. I'm, a, I'm actually a real estate broker by trade, and I know numerous people who this has financially devastated. Um, it's almost shocking to me that here we are in the year 2021, and we have a government that is so willing to revert to this kind of fascism, this kind of tyranny. And when you see it get beat back by the Supreme Court, is there any indication that it will not expand that use to those other threats you rightfully articulated as taking away uh, our businesses or banning us from moving. You know, that's the one grace about Illinois is that for now we can still leave it. And I know there's many other states like this. I mean, it's really, you're saying it as if they could do it. I mean, it's not unrealistic to think that they will do it, is it? Well, it's unrealistic in the sense that it's not going to be accepted by the courts. That's very clear now. Even before the Supreme Court ruled, uh, about two-thirds of, of the judges, who consider, the courts that considered this question, said, no, the CDC does not have the authority it claims. So if it can't do that, it can't do those other things either. Um, the, the, the things it can do have to, have to be similar to the specific examples that are listed in the statute, which have to do with things like destroying uh, uh, animals that that are carrying disease, uh, prevent uh, quarantining uh, uh, carriers, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I don't think we have to worry about that, at least for the time being, unless uh, the composition of the courts changes radically. Um, but at the state level, as you noted, 
uh, most states have very sweeping uh, emergency laws that allow the governor to uh, implement all sorts of, of arbitrary orders, uh, in, in this case, in the case of COVID, to, to, you know, in response to a communicable disease, but also in response to other emergencies. And I think a lot of people were startled by what happened last year, that governors just unilaterally can impose these orders. But that, that is how the, what statutes arguably say, they do give governors very broad powers. And so what you're, what's happening now is that in many states, legislators going back and saying, maybe we don't want to do that. Maybe we shouldn't give the governor such sweeping powers. And maybe we should have some say in what happens at the state level, um, and we, which is encouraging. And, 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 and by the way, it's not just limited to Republicans trying to check Democratic governors in, in New York State. Uh, the Democratic-controlled legislature uh, rescinded the broad powers that had granted uh, Andrew Cuomo at the at the beginning of the pandemic. Reminds me of um, FDR. Remember when his vice president challenged yeah. him? So, so uh, you know, they're saying um, we thought this was necessary at the time. We don't think it's necessary anymore, and we're worried about what you might do with this power. Um, so, so that, so that's a limit, right? And that's that's one branch of government checking the other. There's also the the federal versus uh, state distinction, which is very important, right? So what the CDC claimed it could do, and the Supreme Court said it couldn't, um, is something that state legislatures do, right? And and local governments do. They do impose eviction moratoria, and, and, and that is much more legally defensible, although you and I probably would not think it's a good policy, at least, uh, you know, under under the division of powers between the federal and state government in the, in the Constitution, um, they have you know, primary authority in that area, uh, along with the rest of their police powers. But they're always comfortable in, in expanding their power and testing those legal limits and testing the people and what they'll put up with. So when a, the head of the CDC says, now it's time, it's time to put the pedal to the metal, you should be very nervous because the CDC is cunning and the CDC is now framing... Homicide and suicide is a public health issue, and that provides yeah, and cover for other atrocities against law-abiding citizens, does it not? So, yeah, I mean, their, their argument is basically that anything that, that can cause injury or death, that's within their purview, right? So that's, you know, almost anything, right? <laughs> and, and so gun, gun, gun violence, uh, gun, gun homicides and gun suicides uh, is one example of that. Um, and historically... When the CDC uh, funded research, it tended to fund research that, that seemed to be agenda-driven. It was published mainly in medical journals by people who already supported gun control laws and uniformly came to the conclusion that that was a good idea <laughs> to have more gun control laws and that also it was, it was a bad idea to own guns, that that was dangerous. Uh, and there were lots of problems with that research, um, which was sort of isolated within this, within this public health silo and did not look at all the countervailing research in, in, you know, that had been published by criminologists and sociologists, um, and that, that was why the, the CDC was banned from, from funding research in that area until just recently. And so this is why the Rochelle Walensky, the, the head of the CDC, recently said that, that they're, they're going back into this area again, and they're going to fund, fund uh, research uh, uh, on, gun, on gun violence to try to figure out what are the roots of the problem and how do we attack it. She was very keen to assure people that she's not calling for more gun control, but given the history, there's reasons for skepticism. And then the other problem is that the way that, that Biden uses public health rhetoric is just to justify all the policies he, that he has long supported. Absolutely. So he will say we, this is necessary in order 
to uh, counteract the, the public health epidemic of gun violence, which, by the way, is, is two-thirds of that is suicide. So that's people yeah. may not realize that. So when he talks about gun violence, is misleading because really mostly you're talking about suicide. And, and when he, he uses his rhetoric to imply that all of his policies, all the policies he supports are scientifically validated, which is just not true. So he's sort of applying this, this, this pseudo-medical, quasi-scientific veneer to the policies he already supported. And I think that's dangerous because then people are less inclined to consider each policy on its merits. Misusing data, deceiving people. This is something, you know, like I said, Chicago, Illinois, brother. Been living with it since I've been in diapers. Um, the New York Times assumes a scientific consensus on school mask mandates that its own reporting Shows does not exist. This is going to be something we're going to have to go to court to make stop. Is it not? I mean, this is something that the reality and the facts bear no, no, no pushback on what the agenda, the totalitarian agenda is of both the, the teachers unions and the CDC. It looks like they are fully prepared to lie once again to our faces. Does it not? Well, look, I, I'm going to be a little bit nicer and say, it's not necessarily that they're lying. They're convinced of this. I think they honestly believe that forcing kids to wear masks in school all day long is sound policy, that that's a minimum requirement for safely resuming you know, in-person instruction. Um, but they don't consider what the evidence actually is. And the evidence is actually quite limited. If, and you can see this if you look at one of the studies the CDC cites to back up that recommendation, that there be universal universal masking in, in K-12 schools, uh, and it just does not prove the point that it doesn't prove their conclusion. Um, the vast majority of these studies don't even do comparisons between schools that have mandates and, and similar schools that don't, which is just a minimum requirement if you're going to try to draw a causal conclusion. <laughs> you would think. And you have all these, these examples of jurisdictions both within the United States and in other countries where uh, students are not required to wear masks. And there's very little evidence that they therefore suffer uh, more uh, COVID-19 outbreaks in school or that it's been a big problem. England is a very good example. And that was the thing I was referring to when I mentioned the New York Times is reporting because they, they ran a story saying, you know, in England, they don't make students wear masks. And that's been true since the beginning of the pandemic. It's true even now with Delta. Um, and, and they have concluded that the, the harms that are caused by that policy exceed the likely benefits. Um, and, you know, they have reasons for that, and they are looking at the same research that the CDC is looking at. They're reaching different conclusions. Um, so you have to at least allow for the possibility that there's legitimate debate in this area. People are going to weigh these costs and benefits differently, and uh, they're gonna, some people are going to demand more evidence than the CD, CDC has been able to muster in favor of universal masking. And, and a lot of it depends on... You know, whether you think these, the cost of the policy imposes are substantial or you just sort of dismiss them. A lot of people who favor the, this policy say, well, it's no big deal. Why not wear a mask? And there are a lot of, anybody's ever worn a mask <laughs> can tell you why not. I mean, I can't even imagine as a student being forced to do that for eight hours a day. It's very uncomfortable. You create all the stress for students who have to comply with this mandate, the teachers who have to enforce it. It's a distraction from learning. It makes it harder to learn because it's uh, harder to communicate when people's faces are covered. It's especially difficult for younger children. Um, and, you know, and, and we're uh, watching the growth. Ears hurt, it steams up their glass. I mean, there are all kinds of consequences, right? And see, so I don't think it's, it's reasonable to just say, oh, what's the big deal? You might, even if it doesn't work, it might work. Therefore, everybody should wear them. 
Um, that's only if you completely dismiss those costs. And you know, and Jacob, at, I'm, a fa- I'm a father, and I, I, I've seen what it's done to the children, to their outlook, to their experience in general, and it's almost... It's almost unbelievable that the people who are in power do not take that into consideration, what you're actually doing to the well-being of the children. You're raising them in a climate of fear and uh, a, a climate of just capitulation. And I think the human spirit is not meant to live like that. And I'm wondering, it seems to be a common denominator in all of the stories. Is this, it's for the greater good. It's for the public health. It's for the better part of society. I mean, I, I fear we are going to march ourselves right into a place we all don't want to be. Well, I mean, you really have to ask, what is the marginal benefit of having this policy? Assuming that it works, even to a limited extent, what is the additional benefit you're getting versus the cost? And you have to keep in mind that the rate of serious COVID symptoms in among teenagers and children is very very low yes and and the infection fatality rate among children is vanishingly low so so granted you know kids younger than 12 are not not yet eligible for vaccines teenagers are the teachers who are the ones most at risk certainly are and they should all be vaccinated if they're worried about this that's a much more effective way uh, to protect themselves and to force everyone to wear masks. Um, and so, you, you know, this is something that's going to be with us for the foreseeable future. We have to figure out a way to deal with it uh, uh, with, with, without, you know, uh, uh, does the CDC imagine we're just going to have masks forever, you know, yeah. just indefinitely, just in case? I don't think that's that's a tenable position. I got an idea. We, we buy Venezuela. I understand you could pick it up very cheap and we start America Part <laughs> 2. I'm going to make you part of my cabinet. Jacob Sullum, I enjoy your writing at Reason.com so much. Keep up the good work, and thank you most of all for joining me. Sure. Thanks a lot. We'll be back with your calls and comments. 312-642-5600. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. Okay, do you, um, I'm in the studio and CNN has been running for an hour. The deadly floods paralyzed New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Remember after Sandy and uh, Chris Christie and Barack Obama did the hug? They look like Laurel and Hardy after Obama flew in. Billions flew in after Sandy. Billions and billions and billions of dollars to help with the flood prevention and the sewer systems do yourself a little favor just google new york new jersey storm sewer scandal and i want you to look at every county since since sandy every county from seagate in new york uh suffolk county all of it look at every scandal of the politicians all democrats by the way except for chris christie who's bipartisan swindler but he was just eating he couldn't pay attention to anything Look at the scandal of the money that was stolen, misappropriated. So now, right now, CNN is running the true tragedy of the innocent people. Once again, the innocent people always pay the cost. And they drown and they get swept away in front of their kids. Where was the money we gave you 10 years ago? Where's the money? Oh, that's gone. And what's the answer? It's always going to be the answer. 
like it is for CPS, like it is for the unions. More money, more money, more money. Now, as you hear this story, I want you to remember right after this Dimwood and Diapers got in the $1.9 trillion. We don't talk about it anymore. It's water under the bridge. Chicago and Illinois received billions for school. Billions for school. I want you to hear the Chuck Gowdy. Yes, he's got hips like an Amish woman, but every time, every uh, well, I think about it every quarter, he stumbles onto a good story. So here's Chuck Gowdy with the wide hips. I want you to remember how many kids are not going back to school. Judy, if public education is considered an investment in our future, then Chicago has a serious problem with the rate of return. New data obtained tonight by the ABC7i team revealing that about 30% of Chicago public school students are at risk of not taking part in classes during the school year that starts today. We identified students based on their attendance, truancy, grades, discipline, and so we identified specific indicators and and weighed them and identified who was at risk, who was at high risk of not re-engaging. Not re-engaging is CPS talk for playing hooky, the old school term for students who are habitually absent, AWOL from classes, they just don't show up for school. According to new data obtained tonight by the I-Team after a public record, request, CPS has identified 100,274 students as considered to be in need of interventions or outreach in order to... That's a lot. That's a lot. In fact, that's like a third. Not in school. A third, not in school. CPS in Illinois received billions in funny money, printed up money, for COVID, for their schools to... Put in everything from special lighting, special filters, special air conditioners, everything. Anybody want to know where the money is? It's kind of like the sewers in the in the original mafia-run states and cities. Where's the money? Well, the unions sent out their bosses to tell you, we need more of it. And what they report as cramped classrooms, cramped hallways and lunchrooms, the Chicago Teachers Union says schools are not safe and they want CPS to make changes now. In a morning press conference, members of the Chicago Teachers Union and SEIU say the safety protocols in place right now to keep students and staff safe is not good enough. They want more. Like proper PPEs and supplies for special education assistance. Where's the $1.9 billion that we just wrote you to check eight months ago, toots? Where's the money? We new bus cleaning protocols and cleaning and defect, disinfecting standards. It means pro- It's always the same thing, and they tug at your heartstrings because we think back when teachers were normal, when they taught actual facts, when they weren't driving around in $100,000 sedans, so it's always the same thing, and we need, and we need school supplies. We need notebooks and pencils for the kids. Sure, over 100,000 haven't showed up. That's all right. We still need them because, after all, we're just a little old schoolhouse in the country, and we're doing the best we can on the small budgets. But you just got billions and billions and billions. Where's the money? I could tell you where the money is. It's in the parking lot. Anybody want to drive around? Let's take a look at the sedans. It's like the auto show in the teacher's parking lot. Providing leave to get tested when exposure occurs. Teachers claim they still feel like schools and classrooms are unsafe and can easily be improved. Many classrooms are poorly ventilated and have had no air conditioning for years. Well, then let's audit 
your cousin's heating and air conditioning company that we paid three times what it would have cost to put a whole new system. Can we can we audit that company? I'm so sick of this scam, and that's exactly what it is, scam. The only good news in this whole thing is whenever I hear SEIU union, I think of that slob Trumpka, and I'm hoping that they buried him upside down. Unvaccinated, medically vulnerable students are jammed into overcrowded classrooms. Teachers regularly clean rodent feces out of their classrooms. Well, then why are we paying the janitors? Why are we paying all of this money if you can't, if we're, we've got rodent feces? Or is it just the fact that Chicago is that sewer I accuse it to be? And the only thing that's helping us is that they haven't figured out how to give the rats jobs yet. Otherwise, we'd be paying pensions to them. CTU has been bargaining for months with the mayor's team to try to bring thousands of students back to full-time learning safely. Parents we talk to say they support the teachers and agree with their uncertainty, but also struggle with wanting their kids to get a good education. At the end of the day, the kids do need school and they do learn better at school. But then I also get why the remote learning is more safe. I really don't want my baby in school, but as a parent, I have to do what I have to do because I work. I want to hear the one with the mobster, with the voice. Those are the parents who went through the same system and are having a hard time with English. The two unions promised more resistance if there wasn't more safety procedures put into place. This morning, I asked the vice president of the teachers' union just what that meant. Does more resistance, though, from the unions mean a possible job? Look, it means that we need to be safe. Stay there with me. Don't go to strike yet, because I know that that's the word we come. Stay here with me for a minute. Yet. Why am Yet. I begging for safety? Despite the begging and months of negotiating, members of the powerful Chicago Teachers Union and SEIU did report for work Monday, the first day of school, oh, but their demands for more safety have not stopped. This press conference is not about politics. It's not about public relations. It is about the safety of the students and the staff here uh, in Chicago public schools. Both unions say CPS's reopening has been a disaster and is dangerous for both their members and students. They criticize CPS for rolling back some mitigation efforts like daily health screeners and daily temperature checks that were in place when students went back last winter. Layered mitigations keep us safer. We have to have all of them to maximize safety for the students who are under 12 who are ineligible. Let me say that again. Ineligible for the vaccine. CPS is... The kids are safer at CPS at home. There's no question about it. They're safer. They're not taught by these people. They're not exposed to the criminals that we pretend are students and we pay 18000 28000 a year for. Does anybody want to ask where the money is? Because somebody stole the money. You stole the money. Somebody either in the city hall stole the money or somebody at the school stole the money or somebody with the contract stole the money. But here we are again, year after year, the same thing. This COVID is their greatest negotiation tool their greatest weapon against their own failure because they're going to get more money. Absolutely. In this multi-trillion dollar boondoggle that they just crammed down our throats, you know, the one that's going to be 15,000 pages, there's twice as much money for them. Twice as much money. And next year, what's going to be the argument? Same exact thing. Because we're used to it. After all, this is the system that works. That's why they say New York invented political corruption. New Jersey perfected political corruption. And Chicago made it an art form. 312-642-5600. I'll take your calls when I get back. 
I think the uh, reason I have such a hard time with this is that last year when I decided to live like a Pritzker spouse, both myself and Pritzker's wife and daughter moved to Florida. And I saw that school was not upended at all. No mask mandates. I find it funny now that they're attacking um, DeSantis because he said the parents should make the decision. So everybody's still attacking him. Yet they don't want to compare the numbers to the Democrat-run states like Illinois. I'll compare those numbers anytime, any day of the week, because me and Mrs. Pritzker both know it's better run, it's better managed, the results are better, and the money doesn't seem to go poof. Where'd the money go? Poof. $1.8 billion. You know how much money that is? It's a lot of money. It's a lot, a lot of money. Where's, where's the improvement? Can the CPS, can the uh, city of Chicago, can they show us one thing? Well, we've got a rare call from Chuck from Dullivan. He can. Hi, Chuck. I listen to you all the time. I can never get through. Thank you, brother. Arnabon Temp School, Jane Adams, Washington Daily, mm-hmm. Turner Drew Langers Academy. I remodeled all them schools. They buy the books year after year, and they stick them in the basement. The children never see them. Back years ago when Rahm Emanuel was, he got rid of all the building engineers, and he gave all the principals a $25,000 a year raise to run all the janitors. Then... He turned around and he gave a contract for $765 million to ARA. Now they run the janitors. They never took the money back from the principals. Uh, that's how everything is all messed up. Yeah, I, Just uh, let you know. Uh, I appreciate the insight, Chuck. I really do. And this, this is a scam that's been ongoing. And no one questions it because, after all, it's for the children. Now, who are those children? Um, Who are those children? I can't seem to... Put it together. It makes you angry that... That's the wrong one. Here it is. A 17-year-old is charged with first-degree murder and the shooting death of a man on a CTA redline train. It happened August 19th near Garfield Boulevard in the Dan Ryan in Inglewood. Police say the juvenile... Now, this is is a a 17-year-old. That would be about a junior, a senior. But yet, we had the girl that carjacked the guy who got shot in the face. She was 14. We've had carjacking skyrocket. 300% 300% in some neighborhoods, 150 across the city limits. And when they catch them, they all seem to be 14, 13. But yet we all turn a blind eye because we're, you know, we want to make sure the kids are, are, are safe from COVID. <laughs> I tell you what, better start paying attention. Don in Bloomingdale. Hi, Don. 17-year-old at CPS is in fifth grade. You know, if you took an alderman and shook him by the ankles, you'd find the money. And, uh, you, know, you know, what we need to find out is I, I Googled my local uh, middle school by me, and they, you know, out by us, you know, they say education is really good and we have good schools. The, the top six people at one school don't even teach kids. The nurse makes $140,000 a year. You got a superintendent, an assistant superintendent, an assistant principal, a principal. You got six people that don't even teach. You know what? You know, you know what? You know what it is too, Don. They politicize the whole thing. I happen to know some good teachers. Some good teachers in that system. It is so politicized. They have to hide. They have to hide because if word gets out, they'll be they'll be prosecuted. They'll be they'll be intimidated. They'll be they'll be browbeat. So there are good people. There's about I'd say it's it's like the life rule. About twenty percent of people are actually good. The eighty percent are just hanging around waiting to do bad things. But the reality is you've got this entire system so owned inside and out by the most corrupt union on the planet, the teachers union, who does all of those things, I believe, that, that, that Chuck 
had the allegation of. I believe it. First of all, we now know how many principals. You remember the Chicago public school principal on the milk scam where she pocketed two million. They overcharged five million. She's out because of COVID. She did it two years. Five million. Nobody talks about it. It's I mean, until you start focusing on that, we're just going to get more of the nonsense. It's just outrageous. Uh, Let's go to now. Listen, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm going to. Let Ignacio tell me, and then I'll... I feel like it's that Make Me Believe Monday. Go ahead, Ignacio. Make me believe. All right. I sell indoor air quality equipment for a living. I cover 14 states. There is $80 billion allocated to the schools just for COVID remediation. $80 billion. I have talked to administrators. Some have bought stuff, some don't. But some administrators have literally told me don't care if it works as long as it looks like we're doing something. I had another administrator tell me, a facilities director says, yeah, we get the COVID money, we applied for it, but they're redirecting it to the teachers. There is so much of this money, and the money that is spent, it's all funny money to people who are connected. It is absolutely ridiculous. Ignacio, I absolutely believe you. It's just, it's truly disgraceful. And as you were talking, you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking, this is the same BS with the wind and solar. It's going to be the same BS with this phony agenda. As long as they can make people feel good, the small minority that is clearly, clearly on the political insider is, is, is not even strong enough. They are corrupted. They're always going to cash okay. out. And we're always going to pay. How many people knew $80 billion for this dung? Go ahead. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, I called you the very first week you were on the air here, and I asked you a question. I want to see if you'll give me the same answer. (laughs) Do you still believe there's a political solution? Yeah. (laughs) I do. I I, I do acknowledge it. Because here's the other thing I want to to tell you. There's no other solution in which we win if we don't win the the mindset there's no military solution i mean i get this all the time and i do remember you actually saying that to me i do remember and and, and that's not as that's not a thing we want to see or go through the reality is if we lose the fundamental principle of right and wrong it doesn't matter if you pretend you win a battle you lose the war so i sure hope there is ignacio or we're all really really no there's no winner in in, in the other option three one two Six four two fifty six hundred. I'll be back. Those calls, you know, I've been I've been hearing that, and everybody thinks, okay, we could, you know, I I, I don't have any aspirations or any desire to have a, a civil war, which is what the the allegation is. Number one, I think it's unconstitutional. Socialism. I think the Biden agenda, the Democrat agenda is unconstitutional. I also believe there is a political solution. I really do. We're not going to get it from GOP Inc. Because the GOP and the DNC have the same banker. So you're not going to get it under these circumstances. You're not going to get that support. But I do believe there are phenomenal congressmen that are new or maybe some that are afraid to stand up for the right thing. But to have this fantasy that somehow we would uh, be okay in a civil war is an argument, but that's not something we need to have. We have the fundamental principles of freedom and liberty. We're gone from that because we became complacent. Because right now, as I speak, there are guys, men and women, who are more interested in the sporting activity of the weekend 
than they are in the policies that $80 billion went to waste. That Chicago Public School blows billions on corruption while not providing anything for the kids. Are you listening to the news? You do realize these carjackers, these illiterate children who are robbing and creating mayhem. They're products of the school system that we've paid billions and billions and billions of dollars in. Billions, billions in welfare. What's Joe Biden do? Increases food stamps arbitrarily some ridiculous amount of money. In fact, it's actually $300 more on food stamps for a family than the average American family spends. It's now more beneficial to be on food stamps than to not be. The government pays $300 more. Joe Biden did that. How's that legal? The GOP isn't going to challenge it because the GOP is full of Mitch McConnell's, Mitt Romney's, Adam Kinzinger's. They don't want to do anything. They want to raise money for themselves. So Adam Kinzinger, for the first time in his whole life, could feel like, hey, look at me. I'm a successful businessman. No. You're a corrupt political whore. Just like Joe Biden. What's the penalty? You made this idiot president. Politics is the only place where the more scum you are, the better job you get. How's Eddie Burke doing? What do you think he's eating tonight? Little New York strip, maybe a bone-in ribeye, medium rare, baked potato, some appetizers, anything he wants. Dessert, go ahead, Eddie. You ain't got a care in the world. Just like Mike Madigan at his little castle in Ireland with the low countertop so he could reach everything. That's how they were. Just, where's Daly? Where's that drunken stumble bum? He's down in Michigan right now with his new girl, huh? Living it up, huh, drunk? That's how it really works in the real world. It's disgraceful and disgusting. All right, I got to go to Mark in Libertyville. Sean, help me is what it says. Hi, Mark. How are you? <laughs> Sean, I, I'm still laughing at your Madigan, though. That was a good one. Oh, I got a lot of them. You know, the, the, here's the thing I miss about Mulrose Park. At least the guys that pushed you around, they were men. I'm getting pushed around by these <laughs> tiny little munchkins, these little Irish guys who made, whose wife thinks orgasm is a planet next to Pluto. These are the guys that are pushing me around. Go ahead. Little guys like Mike Madigan, you used to use those guys. You know what? You used to bring them out to pal around with them. So you set your bear on his head. Mike Madigan. Best part about those little Irish guys, I used to love the way their girlfriends looked at me because they knew. They knew the difference. That's just me. But go ahead. What else did you need? <laughs> All right. My point is, you know, Sean, our media, our schools, our, our finances, uh, nationwide, our culture, the party that's supposed to protect us, our voting system, every one of them, in my opinion, has stage four cancer. Has stage four cancer. Mark, I couldn't agree with you. Like Trump, and you know what? So to your the caller before you went to break, I don't know, Sean. Help me out here. What other options do we have? I know, oh, and I'm going. I'm I'm telling you, and it's it's a painful conversation to have. Run to states. That think like us. They're out there, brother. I cannot tell you the difference. I'm only going to tout one, not just because I'm a real estate broker, but it does help. But because I like the beach, I look wonderful walking on it. I have a, I have a Speedo that's turquoise. Phenomenal. Anyway, you go to these states and everybody around you, your waiter thinks like you. Everybody. You don't know who has money because it doesn't matter. You're all Americans. You're all principled. It is a different life. And I'm going to tell you something. I spent a lot of time on the East Coast. I have, I have an office on the East Coast. When you go there and you meet these people from Venezuela, thick accent, you walk and you see the people from Cuba, 
Those are the best Americans there. They appreciate everything that our Illinois Democrats give away. I'm telling you right now, don't believe the rhetoric. You know why Miami-Dade is corrupt? Because it's got New Yorkers there, New York Democrats that went there, became part of the government. The people, the immigrants from South America, the immigrants from Europe, those are Americans, baby. That's the hope. And I am telling you, it's those states that are going to get representation. It's not these. These are done. These are wasted. But we, the good people, there are millions of good Americans here. And maybe it's not us. Maybe your job, you can't risk it, whatever the case is. Your kids can. So set your kids up. After all, isn't that what being a parent is? I mean, if you're not a Democrat and you don't want to whack the baby, isn't it about setting the kid up? So there you do have options. Even though it feels hopeless, there are good options. The thing is, never fund the GOP Inc. Never send money to an Illinois Republican that isn't like us. Not a nickel. Not a dollar. Because the only thing more sickening than a Marxist mafia Democrat winning is an Adam Kinzinger. Thank you very much, Mark. You know, I love the call. Thank you very much. Now we're going to go to uh, Greg in LaGrange. What's up, Greg? Hi, Greg. Chuck out. Hey, how you doing? Good, buddy. Getting back to the Chuck Gowdy story. If there's 30% less kids estimated to be going back in the hallways, how are they packed and how are they a health hazard? And when we were kids, well, I because the schools are the schools the are small and the teachers are incompetent. Here's the th- here's the dirty little secret. They show in that clip, they show a bunch of kids in the hallway. You know why? Because the teachers are idiots. Because when we went to school, the teacher didn't just say, "Okay, uh, run." They didn't say that. But the kids were different. Kids listen to the teachers. So when the teacher stood up and said, "Listen, sit down until I tell you to leave," you sat down. What do you think it's like in the Chicago public school teachers? What do you think the teachers can actually tell those kids? You see what's going on well, because uh, you see you see the news tonight, and those are kids that are creating I, the mayhem. I know I know for a fact, uh, just hearing about what's going on in a local school where my nephew goes, the kids come in with their earbuds on, and you know it, it's just completely un as as unprofessional an environment for teaching kids as you possibly can get, and there's no there's no pushback uh, by the principals and the leaders there to back the teachers when they do complain. See, this is the thing. This, this was the, this was the nugget that they wanted when, when the people that are instituting these oppressive corrupt policies against us saw that the parents would back down when they jackpotted their kids, they knew they had us and it's a big hole to dig out of. That's why you don't give up ground. We can still do it. You don't, That's right. You don't That's give right. up ground because the Marxist is, is tireless. They're never tired. Their, 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 their hunger for control is insatiable. Their want for money, their shamelessness in the, in the misappropriation of it. Don't underestimate them. This is what I tried to cover yesterday. You're dealing with people who are telling you it is your right to kill your baby. That's it. You think they're going to worry about misappropriating money for COVID? You think they're going to give a rip about the kids and the fact of what they're producing when they say they're educators? You're listening. You're watching. Believe your eyes. Don't buy the tagline of the Democrat not to believe your eyes. Believe what you see. Do not be afraid of your opinion. This is the new climate of America where you have to be afraid of your opinion. I don't know about the mask. It seems like... Florida stayed open and other states stayed open. They didn't have mass mandates, yet their numbers were lower than Illinois. In fact, it looks like even numbers among adults are better. In fact, if you compare a state that you say is terrible where it's booming per 100,000 population, they still have 10% 
lower deaths with an average age of being 20 years older than Illinois. That seems like it would be big, good, isn't it? Believe yourself. Believe what you read. Stop repeating these talking points from these liars. That's the only way you're going to get ahead. Ross in Rolling Meadows. Hi, Sean. Yes. Seeing you in a, when you said a turquoise speedo. Yeah. Not a good visual guy. All right, thank but you. anyhow. <laughs> I'd be worried anyhow, if you said it was. I was shooting for somebody TV. a little different than Russ, but go ahead. Okay, as far as when the teacher said, you know, uh, and she said, listen up, uh, 12-year-olds and older can get vaccinated. And then the sidebar of this, they go to Texas, and they, uh, the Supreme Court just passed, um, you know, that they could have, they can't have an abortion after six weeks. And you got all these women in front of the, the Capitol there saying, off my body. Well, what's the difference between off my body and mandating vaccines? What happened to my body, my choice? It only applies to women. It only applies it to apply Democrats. To population, it just drives me nuts. It only applies to Democrats. And that's what you're going to have to learn, Russ. It's the tale of two worlds. It's the tale of two worlds. Just like Chicago. See, Chicago, if you're connected to that political machine, you have no problems. You don't wait in line. You don't need a job application. You don't need nothing. I'm a, I'm a Madigan guy. You know what happens to Madigan's guys? Brendan Riley. Brendan Riley came here from out of state. East Coast, I believe, that Irish with that balloon head, the drunken stumble bum that he is. Every time you're in his district, he's stumbling around. All the shootings, all the carjackings, all of it. He's the alderman in the one district that pays taxes in the city of Chicago, Brendan Riley. You know what his answer was? He wrote a strongly worded letter to to Lightfoot. And you know how he got that job? He was Madigan's buddy. He was in his office. He was in his cabinet, his little cabal. Those are called mobs. His little click. And now he's he's held harmless. He'll have that position as alderman as long as he wants it. Because even the people who are being destroyed, who are having their kids destroyed, who are subjected to this corruption, you know how they're going to vote next election? Democrat. Alderman. Same one that's stealing. 312-642-5600. I like this song. It needs, I need this around the turn of the hour. Calm me down. Boardwalk Empire, I love it. His name was Nookie Thompson. He's built on. He's based on a real guy. Steve Buscemi is ugly. Great actor. Can't stop looking at him. I'm pretty sure it was based on three guys. It was like a conglomeration of kids. Really? Ah. I was more excited about it being one guy with my last name. Thank you very much. John Villa Park. Hi, John. Hey, Sean, how are you? Good to talk to you. Uh, we met a, we met once, and uh, you've probably seen me around a couple times. I got a long blonde beard. I came into the store one time. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, I do. Yeah, you look like a ZZ Top without the band or the fancy car. Yes. Without the money. <laughs> so, at any rate, you know, I kind of, sometimes I think about, like, what we're really up against here is, is as bad as uh, what they faced during the revolution in some ways. Like, we just can't win or gain any ground. And I kind of feel like, you know, the revolutionary founding fathers were all together in the mission, basically, and hmm. England for seven years. Did you ever, read the, fre- you know, Did you ever read the Federalist Papers, though? You want to hear about some arguing, but go ahead. <laughs> but at any rate, you know, once they won, sure, they were at, at ends trying to just ratify the Constitution. But that proves to me that if they're unified, 
you might get somewhere. And I always feel like if all the great speakers like yourself and the elders and, and Fragers and whoever you want to talk about, if they all got together and we put a list of a half a dozen or a dozen great conservative values, you just go out and you, you try to bring the left out to the table, argue with them, beat them on every one of those four principles and show the world. And then hopefully we could change some more minds. I just feel like all you guys are great at what you do, but when the news cycle, the way it constantly is changing, we're never focused. We're because just, because here's the difference. Things. Here's the difference, and it's one word. It's one word, and it's my promo code, but it's one word. It's liberty. Liberty. See, back then, the people's character was too expensive to be bought. They, they All they really wanted was liberty. They weren't interested in anything else. And I also want to remember, it was only a third of the people during the Revolutionary. So, unless the mantra of all people opposed to tyranny is liberty, then you're going to be fractioned, you're going to be separated, and you're going to be broke apart. But that's why it's crucially important, John and Villa Park, to go to areas that believe in liberty. States that believe in it. People that believe in it. Cut the Marxists out of your life. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is the Sean Thompson Show. Ryan Lovelace, a political reporter for the Washington Times. He also authored the book, Search and Destroy, Inside the Campaign Against Brett Kavanaugh. I'm wondering if the Cuomo book will be called Cover and Run. We're going to discuss that and more. He also covers advocacy groups in Washington. Now, advocacy groups are like lobbyist firms, except they don't have Brooks Brothers suits and lawyers and big checks. They've got very, very frustrated people with multicolored hair and spray cans. Am I right with that, Ryan? You are. And they uh, they sometimes work pretty well with the people in the suits, though, too. <laughs> yeah, of course they do, because if it's one thing Washington's got, it's got pimps and the political horse. I wanted to uh, ask you, what do you think about the Cuomo book, Cover and Run? Well, it's not a bad you know, title, I, I huh, think, kid? Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see what that, what it ends up being there. That's it's, you know, it's amazing to see how fast his fall from grace has happened. But it's also, I mean, I'm fascinated in how, how the cover-up has gone. Like, now you don't hear anything. I understand he's living in the Hamptons in a friend's mansion, strolling the beach with what used to be his secretary, not his girlfriend, though. They're just friends. Yeah, and, and to mention, too, that it's, you know, you've got the New York situation with Governor Cuomo falling apart, and now the recall election out in California is about a couple of weeks away. And all in the matter of, what, eight months into the Biden presidency, two of the biggest Democratic states and two of their, his biggest allies in governor's offices are all of a sudden quickly falling. I've been married a long time. I really have. And I, you know, I, I love her to death. It's wonderful. But before that, I dated a lot. And I remember when you'd be in like those relationships where you didn't like things and it was real bad. And during like the time you were waiting for the pizza to be delivered, you were figuring out how in the hell can I get out of this relationship? I have that exact same feeling right now with Biden. Is there any suggestions you have for me? <laughs> oh, I don't know that I'm good at relationship advice, but I would say, you know, this is definitely something that I think everyone needs to be paying attention to. There's a lot of 
I think, uh, chatter out there that the American people are going to eventually stop paying attention to what's going on in Afghanistan and that foreign policy is something that doesn't matter much to voters. But that conventional wisdom, you know, has been something that's been tossed aside for at least since 2016. And I would hope that the American people continue to pay attention to what's going on. So do I. And your latest article, I'll tell you what, I kind of, I, I don't, I don't mind. I'm not. A, see, here's the thing. I'm not your conventional Republican. I don't like like the Bush plan, and I definitely wanted to get out of the Middle East. There's no question about it. But I also wanted some sort of a plan. This is chaotic, and I definitely enjoyed the Pompeo days. There was something about that uh, that guy I didn't terribly mind. Now, from what I learned from your article in the Washington Times, he's wooing some GOP supporters. Is that correct? It is, yeah. He was out in New Hampshire this week, um, huddling with different activists, um, different GOP, state GOP party leaders, endorsing a, a state legislator, and then also going to a school choice event, a club hosted by the Club for Growth, and going to a uh, manufacturing site uh, out there in New Hampshire as well. And really, I think there's a lot of different things that you can pick up from it. But I think the main thing to bear in mind is that you know, Secretary Pompeo may be a well-known commodity in Washington and the people that follow, you know, the Trump administration very closely. But the reason why he's out there this early is all about name ID. You know, people know Trump and people knew Trump when Trump got in the race. That's not something that Pompeo has the same advantage of. And I think that's what he's looking to build at this point three years out. But that may also capture what people like me, you know, I, I disagreed with many a Trump policy, but I did like the idea that he was really not the kind of political whore of the other choices I normally have, like Joe Biden himself or, or, or many of the other Republicans. I think I'm not alone in that. I think a lot of people enjoy the idea that, OK, Pompeo has a political history per se, but he also the, the only recognition he really has among the masses is that he was in that Trump cabinet and that. He may capture some of that. Do you think that I'm reaching? I don't think you're reaching. I think you're on to something. I think, uh, you know, Pompeo was also someone who stood by Trump all the way through the administration when other people started to waver. He, he didn't, and he never really distanced himself from Trump. And I thought it was interesting in listening to Pompeo in New Hampshire this, this early in 2021. You know, he was emphasizing the fact that he was a businessman back in Kansas and then talking about his Kansas roots as opposed to, you know, He's also a Harvard Law School grad. He ran the CIA in the State Department. He's worked at a you know, white shoe tops law firm in Washington. But the things that he's talking about are also his experience that relates with who he knows are going to be voters that he wants to capture and the kind of story that he wants to tell about himself. And I think that's because that is his story. Now, for as much as he's had some of these conventional or establishment Republican jobs, He's also been someone that's kind of come in from the outside and hasn't always been welcome in some of those corridors of power. And I think he's going to try to capture voters, um, you know, the kind of people that you're describing that understand and want someone who's actually going to fight for them. See, now, um, I, I live part time in Florida. Well, really, I live in Florida. I'm here part time, but I'm in Florida a lot. And I uh, the people of Florida in my section and my circles and my groups love Ron DeSantis. In fact, I think he was the pick of the litter. There's no question about it. However, I have been watching, even though I live in Florida, I see the fabrications, the exaggerations, and sometimes the outright lies in the concerted effort by the mainstream 
um, Pravda, we call media, as they attack him because I think the Democrats themselves feel he is the most likely to be the front runner. Do you think that the 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 media can pivot and go after Pompeo for the very reasons we or when I say we, I mean me and people like me are attracted to the idea that this Pompeo could be a problem solver. I think so. I think there's going to be no shortage of ammunition from the media going after Republican candidates in 2024. And I, I do think, like you say, you know, Ron DeSantis as governor really established himself as someone who during the COVID lockdowns was willing to challenge some of what the you know orthodoxy was coming from other states and coming from different public health agencies and things like that and being willing to say, well, let's take a step back here and wait a minute and take a look at things. And I think that's something that really separated himself. Um, from some other potential candidates, particularly some other governors that are um, people that are thought of as potential candidates, people uh, like Christy Nome, another governor, uh, kind of in the Great Plains. But, you know, when you look at it, we're still several years away. And I think the closer we get, the more you'll start to see uh, different types of attacks in different avenues in the press going after some of these people. And it'll be interesting to see how much you know, is it going to be about the different issues that occurred under COVID? Will foreign policy matter? And which one of those things will really kind of break out and be something that is a defining issue in an election that's three years away? It's too difficult to say at this point, but I definitely think the media is going to be ready to go after anyone that actually steps into the ring. Now, Ryan, I want to talk about another article you wrote. Now, you have to understand when you I'm I'm old, although I, I, I look fantastic. I'm old. And I remember when the FBI um, was something I was so proud of. I really was. I remember listening to the old radio shows. I remember my my grandfather making me listen to the I Was a Communist for the FBI old radio shows. That's how, you know. And I adored them right up until I figured out, and this was thanks to Trump, they're a political bureaucracy, at least the upper echelon is. You have an article that I find fascinating I want to talk about. It. And Grassley... Man, oh man, he he doesn't sound good when he talks. But Grassley presses the FBI to explain its monitoring of a conservative woman's group. Are our suspicions correct that these bureaucracies are nothing more than a political arm of the American Mafia Marxist Party? Well, I think the concerns certainly are warranted about the political leadership atop of these agencies, regardless of which administration is in power. And I think in the case of the Concerned Women for America, which is the group that you're talking about, the Concerned Women for America is this conservative women's group that the FBI uh, conducted a charity assessment of to see whether or not they had done anything wrong. And they looked into this group, even without any kind of typical predicate for doing so. And so what Senator Grassley did was press the FBI to explain, hey, why'd you do that? And he hadn't gotten any answer the last I'd heard. I know Congressman Jordan, Jim Jordan from Ohio, has also stepped up and and sent a letter trying to figure out answers to that as well. But really, there's no data coming from the FBI on how widespread a practice this is, this type of charity assessment. And there's some thought that this could be pretty widespread, that it's not just one conservative women's group, but it maybe it's a broader swath of groups and not necessarily limited to any one political ideology either, that the FBI is taking a long look at a lot of different domestic organizations, which isn't something that the American people have visibility into. And I think there's certainly a case to be made that they should. And if they're looking at it, imagine what the NSA is looking into. And now with those 87,000 IRS agents being hired in this new bill, 
I'm sure it's going to go swimmingly for all those people who are not part of the Democrat Party. Um, but they're enlisting always more. They're not happy with the bureaucracies they have. In fact, uh, law enforcement, national security agencies are enlisting big tech firms to be quasi-government entities. Am I off in saying that as I read your article? I don't think you're off in saying that. I think what the American government has tried to do, especially in the first few months of the Biden administration, is find a way to compete with what China has done, with China's practices and processes of civil military fusion. And so they're trying to find an American way to compete with it. But what they're leading with is government intervention, whereas what is traditionally has been, been America's answer to communist countries is the free market. Yes. So now, instead of that, we are now mirroring the communist agenda of infiltrating companies and backdoor nationalizing them. Am I to believe that? It's pretty close to that. You could certainly make that argument. And just to be clear what we're talking about here, the federal government has created this thing called the Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative. And what they're doing is the federal government is going to all of these different companies and they're looking looking for ways to work together to supposedly go after some of these different hackers and cyber attackers and things because they believe the expertise and knowledge is in the private sector, not in the public sector. But like you say, there's a very, very fine line between government working with and government intervening and really using that, you know, your concerns about the NSA could be exacerbated if the government is getting an even closer relationship with Google, Amazon, and some of the other companies that can be expected to team up more closely with the government. Yeah, I mean, after all, what could go wrong? See, I always envisioned myself as Will Smith, an enemy of the state. I just didn't want to have to actually live homeless and drive an El Camino. But... The future may, in fact, have that for people who mount up against the state. And are there advocacy groups that you're covering that are fighting for the kind of freedom and the kind of laissez-faire government that I like, that people like me like? Do we stand a chance or has it been infiltrated successfully by people who are more interested in getting in on the scam rather than breaking it apart? I think there are. I think there are a few different groups out there that are actually trying to get answers. You know, we mentioned the Concerned Women for America group that had been, uh, you know, looked at by the FBI. I know they told me they never, you know, they were a traditional, uh, you know, type of stand with law enforcement, believe in the rule of law and champion those values. But they're now becoming more skeptical of those things and currently looking at do they need to rethink support for different, you know, policies surrounding the FISA surrounding the Patriot Act and those kinds of things. But there are other groups that I know that are digging into and trying to get answers about, you know, when they're hiring more IRS agents, when they're, you know, looking at different journalists, you know, looking at different activists, these intelligence and national security agencies, what exactly is going on here? I know the Cato Institute has has engaged in a long project about it. They're the ones that first picked up on the FBI looking into Concerned Women for America. And I know that there are others out there There aren't that many, and I think it can be pretty lonely for them, but there are still people kind of pushing to get more information and get an understanding of what's actually going on so that people can live freely. This is all very, very good news. Um, Your your latest article that I see, um, the mother of the gold uh, gold star mother, the unfortunate title of that, it just makes me sick of, of one of the 13 Marines, the one who advocated that she really was... In, 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 disrespected by Joe Biden, as I believe they all were. Um, and she spoke out about it, had her account stripped. Instagram restored it. Were they the only ones? 
They were. Uh, Instagram is owned by Facebook, and her Facebook account was not taken down. Instagram didn't explain to me why it was her account was taken down, whether it was an automated thing or a manual thing. Um, you know, you can see in some of her posts where she is grieving in public that she's talking about the election and doing so in a way that's the kind of thing that Instagram like typically restricts. So it wouldn't surprise me, certainly, if they had some kind of automated algorithm running that slaps everyone that does that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. But to to take out a you know, new gold star mother who's grieving in public and trying to express herself. I think it's, that's where it becomes really important for people in my line of work, uh, you know, in the press to, if, if, her, if every other platform she has could be stripped from her, I think we need to make sure that her voice is heard by people that she was trying to reach so that they understand what it is she's going through. Are people in your industry nervous about what they see as, a, as, as what everyone sees as an assault on the First Amendment? Are people in your industry concerned? even the ones that may not agree with, say, me, ideologically. But do they, are they aware of it, or are they comfortable with the new American fascism? I think it varies greatly. It varies greatly, not particularly necessarily along ideological lines or even political lines, but more so about the publication and platform that someone is speaking from. A lot of times now, uh, there's a whole new host of voices that are sharing information and putting out information that people consume on non-traditional means, you know, whether it's a Substack newsletter, whether it's a Twitch platform or videos on Rumble, as opposed to something like Twitter or Facebook or posts on Instagram or videos on YouTube. And I think the people that are moving away and migrating away from some of these prominent and dominant platforms that do and have worked closely with the government are concerned, regardless of whether or not, um, you know, they have, uh, you know, a political motivation in doing so. People that are at more longstanding mainstream publications, I think, aren't nearly as concerned because they believe that they've still got a kind of cloak of power there. We'll see how that changes. It, It doesn't take all that much for uh, people in, in on my line of work to really kind of, uh, you know, face the wrath of a tech company. Stay strong. Ryan Lovelace, Washington Times. Keep doing what you're doing right up until they put me in a van. Then you may want to stop. Thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. We'll be back with your calls and comments. 312-642-5600. Oh, what the hell is going on? I can't get your attention. You're typing on YouTube. Well, you leave the people. I, apparently, you could go to YouTube. McBeth tells me. This is quite a conversation that goes on there. Huh? We even get a communist or two? Sorry. I had a good time with the communists. I really did. And I always like to point out the fact that you are the idiots that destroyed everything. Everything you touch, you destroy, you stupid morons. And my favorite are the people who live in the city of Chicago. Who live there. See it. Experience it. They're still vote Democrat. I mean, the Oak Park women who look like John Denver with the open-toed shoes, I get it. They're so detached from reality. They're walking around like they were in Kenny Bunkport, Maine. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Never earned anything, never cared about it. They just think money falls out of the sky. But the people who have to live in these failures, these failures, these corrupt ghettos that the Democrats build, I have no, no sympathy for them. All right, I think Frank is talking about a movie. But Frank, how are you? Hey, Sean, how are you? Wonderful. Yeah, you know, one of your other callers talked about how this could be like the Revolutionary War times and so forth, and you know, it kind of made me thinking about the um, the prison ships that the British had during the war, based in New York and Charleston and other and other 
ports and so forth uh-huh. of our revolutionary soldiers, the Patriots. Sounds a lot like what's going on in D.C. with the jails. Julie Kelly has done a great job in uh, American Greatness detailing. I've got to get her on. I, I, I like there. Julie very much. I've got to get her on because I want her to tell me about it. In fact, you know, it's funny you say that. I was watching. There's a, there was a guy who was a CEO. He's in the Chicagoland area. And he pled guilty to, you know, whatever it is. They wiped their derriere on Nancy Pelosi's stapler. Um, but it's, a, it's something to see the way that those guys were treated and the way that their rights were stripped away. And then I don't know if, if I heard Dan Proft correct today, but I'm not sure that the, the, the shooter of the, of the special ed teacher in the Dan Ryan, if he's going to be charged for that crime or not, I got I to look into it a little more. But uh, it's, it's definitely the tale of two sets of laws. And when I first saw your comment, I thought you were talking about Escape Plan 2 with Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, which isn't one of my worst favorites. I, I kind of I, I like the movie when he figures out he's on the ship in the middle of the ocean. And, it, you know, it, go to figure out, they traces back to, I believe, the CIA and the NSA and their collaboration with that. So, yeah, I guess anything's possible. And, and you should know by now, Frank, we don't get equal treatment before the law. That's why it's always good to tell people you're from Chicago. The corrupt mafia members will think you're a Democrat. You don't have to tip them off right at yeah. the door. Well, it, well, it's just disgusting how they're being treated, how they're being stripped of their rights. That's the thing. I mean, you know, some some of the things they did were wrong, and well, you know, some of them should be prosecuted. But I mean, some of these people just trespassed, and they're being yeah. I mean, the people know, who did in, something in wrong, they should do something wrong, and there's no question about it. But I'd be more interested in an investigation by Congress people and the misappropriation of funds like the ones we talk about when we talk about the public schools or when we talk about the health care, when we talk about weapons in Afghanistan. It's amazing to me how they're not interested in that. But you break a window in that Capitol building. Well, you're going in the who's cow, brother. So it's kind of a uh, kind of funny to watch. Thank you very much, Frank. I appreciate it. Um, the weaponless insurrection will continue to get attention from Congress. Well, the misappropriation to funds back to their con- uh, campaign contributors, that will be completely ignored. You know what? It reminds me, when I get back, we're going to talk about the Federal Trade Commission and how they're really investigating things. 312-642-5600. This is like an onion story. You're going to enjoy it after this. To watch CNN with the sound off. Just the titles really gives you a phenomenal perspective. It really does. It shows you just what Marxist propaganda wing this station really is. They should be ashamed of themselves. And I got Amy Klobuchar talking about the, the misrepresenting the abortion restriction in Texas. Amy Klobuchar. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's appropriate, though. You should have ugly people talking about the ugliest thing in America, abortion. I was listening to this morning in WGN News. And that uh, that creep, the political uh, political commentator, he looks like Boris Karloff. Uh, he looked like, like a descendant of Boris Karloff and uh, the son of Sven Gulli had a kid. What's his name? Paul Lip something. Doesn't matter. He's repulsive. Misrepresenting the Texas abortion restriction. It says if the baby's got a heartbeat, uh, we, we uh, refuse to allow you to kill it. It's like the greatest turmoil. Roe v. Wade is over. Don't worry, you ugly Marxist rats. You'll still be able to kill your kids. Just come to Illinois. And then you could run organizations in the government, little bureaucracies that you pretend are there for the people, and you give them fantastic names, like the Federal Trade Commission, FTC. What do they do? Well, they must investigate. When Nancy Pelosi's husband, the guy who was really nothing, a bust-out before he married Nancy Pelosi, you know, he's able to do $5 million stock option plays, and then he has his wife 
insist on voting rules that benefit those companies. And you know what? He does it every quarter. It's phenomenal. What a great scam. And see what Nancy did. She was able to cut in enough congressmen and senators so that they basically legalized insider trading. So you think the Federal Trade Commission would look into that? No, no. Federal Trade Commission, with all of the political scandal and the fact that we have a Federal Reserve that is literally printing debt to be paid off by people who will never own stock in certain hedge funds and stock companies. They're printing the money and they're buying the stocks. They're buying the corporate bonds. They're frauding the entire market. The entire market is a giant fracking scam and a lie. Bull market, my derriere. It's a fraud market is what it is. What's the FTC investigating? The Federal Trade Commission is investigating why it seems the McDonald's ice cream machine is always broken. The Wall Street Journal is reporting the FTC sent letters to McDonald's franchisees over the summer asking what's going on with the ice cream machines. The report says McDonald's franchise owners have complained about how complicated the machines are and that fixing them when they break is hard. The FTC declined to comment to the Wall Street Journal about those letters. A 24-year-old ice cream fan fell up with McDonald's often broken machines, managed to reverse engineer the McDonald's app to create a map of every broken soft serve machine in the United States. Oh my God. It's exactly right. This is what the Federal Trade Commission is doing. Are you out of your fracking mind? You're printing money, putting it on the national debt to buy stocks. And you're investigating ice cream machines, you idiots, idiots. And you wonder why they only left 80,000 people behind in Afghanistan and blew trillions of dollars. We're lucky that's all it costs with these idiots in charge. And there's the moron Democrat. I'll vote for another Democrat. They should be in charge of everything. I want free college. Well, I don't know what you're doing in that college, dummy. But whatever you're hiring these kids from, stop it. I can't believe... What the hell our reality is. It is one giant Carol Burnett skit. Only it's less funny. Sickening to me. I had to get that off my chest. Paul in Barrington. Yeah, hey. I happened to listen to um, Dan Prof this morning, and he was talking about the... Boring, though, isn't he? The... Smart, but he's boring. Smart. Very no, smart. No, 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 no. Boring. You, you guys are all smart. All right, I'm very impressed with you. Anyhow, um, the defense of that guy is going to be he was self-defense because he was shooting at somebody who was shooting at him. My question is, aren't you responsible for knowing where the round's going when you fire a weapon? Paul, that's, huh? what, that's how the rule works in Barrington. The rule in Chicago is just be behind the end with the holes in it. They're not too concerned with the legalities of things. But thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate it. You got to know how to to teach you in Chicago. How do you learn how to shoot in Chicago? Stay behind the hole. That's how they do it. Morons. Absolute morons. But it does explain why more and more people are starting to catch wind of things. But the frequency that it's occurring is just unbelievable. I mean, it's night after night after night. And an area like this is... Frustration and fear building in River North after two men were beaten in the street this weekend and today a shocking crime inside a bank. A teller. By the way, before I, I, I hit the wrong button, but before I get to that, they caught the guy who beat up those two people. Did you see him? He had a tattoo of a money symbol in the middle of his forehead. You forgot the word no. 
Because when you tattoo the money symbol in, on your forehead, you're never going to have any money, dummy. Nobody will ever hire you. In fact, it's the new dunce cap, or as Chicago calls it, the new logo. The f- morons. Mor- 18000 a year you burned on this idiot's education. And he thought it would be a good idea. Tattoo a money symbol on the front of my forehead, you m- bust out scumbag. But you're virtuous, and after all... You're victimized. Somehow you'll be victimized. But the frequency with it, that it's occurring is just unbelievable. I mean, it's a, a night after night after night. And an area like this is... Frustration and fear building in River North after two men were beaten in the street this weekend. And today, a shocking crime inside a bank. A teller viciously stabbed in a random attack. Police questioning a person of interest. Dane Placco reports on the growing troubles in one of Chicago... Can I make a guess? I guess the person of interest is a registered Democrat. I want the news to start telling me that. I want to know the I want to know the registration voter registration of the perpetrators from now on. I think it'll give us a whole new perspective in exactly what the hell is wrong with things. Those trendiest neighborhoods. I saw a guy with a knife, like pretty big knife, with blood on it, and he was running with a head of steam. <laughs> An eyewitness describes the aftermath of a daylight attack inside this Chase Bank at Dearborn in Ohio in River North. He was uh, pretty upset and he was saying... He was upset. ...some vulgar words about Chicago oh. and the police, so... Witnesses say this man, screaming at pedestrians and appearing Wonder unstable, Fox will charge walked it. into the Chase Bank and without warning began stabbing a 24-year-old female employee. In- now, I just want to say something. How many of you have kids that are eight? How many of you have kids... Or relatives, and you say, "Boy, you know, honey, you got to get out in the workforce. You got to, you know, you got to do something with your life. Why don't you get a nice job, go to work in a bank?" But, but, Dad, I, what if the bank is located in the nice area of Chicago, and you still see what happens? No, you'll be okay. It's in a good area of Chicago. After all, Chicago has good areas. Does it have good areas? I don't think it does, because every area is run by a rat Democrat. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred. You know, I'm looking at the at the call screen, and I, I, I'm going to take Jim. I'm going to take him in a minute. But can you imagine, you know, it, I worked in the city all my life. All my life. The idea that this going on, it's disgrace. It's disgusting. It's shameful. I almost am mad I'm not working there anymore, because I'll tell you what, brother. I was packing then. That was long before the concealed and carry. You can't have a concealed and carry. Oh, yeah. You think, here's what's never going to happen. I'm never going to get stabbed in the neck without shooting somebody. Ever. I don't care what law you come up with. Can you imagine if that's your daughter? Can you imagine if that's your daughter? Jim in the car. Hey, Sean. Man, you are the savior. I appreciate everything you're doing. You know, I work at a hotel in River North, and I'm not going to elaborate beyond that. No, I don't want you to. There was a shooting 100 feet away on Illinois. Uh, right in front of the uh, Thai restaurant there last night, and only a small percentage of everything that goes on makes the news. And frankly, when it does, and I know this firsthand, it is so twisted into random acts, it's not even funny. You know, Riley, Alderman Riley, is not is no help either. No, he blames the hotels. He blames the hotels. He's he's threatened. Uh, a, he's a drunk. I've seen it of. with I've seen it with my own eyes. He's a drunk. Yeah. I didn't know who the hell he was. I used to go to a bar to meet a bookie. Yes, it's true. I did. And it was called the Boss Bar. You know this bar? I don't even know if it's still there. I do not. I go there all, and here was this balloon head. I said, look at this Irish guy with this giant head all drunk. I leave. The one guy, my buddy tells me, 
That's the alderman. I said, this is the alderman? Sure enough, I see the balloon head on TV. And I'm going to write a strongly worded letter, you idiot. And the only the, the only one dumber than him are the people that vote for him. Go ahead, brother. I didn't mean to cut you off. Agreed. No, and you're right. And I've been in the industry 29 years, and I have seen more in the last 18 months than I have in the first 28 years of my career. Yeah, that's a shame, brother. It's sad. It's sad. I love working downtown, but I'm glad as hell I don't live down there. Transfer, uh, babe. Transfer. I mean, honest to God, I'm going to give you the advice I give you if you were my brother, if you were my friend, if you were my kid. Get out of there. It ain't worth it. It isn't worth it. You're by just. I appreciate the call very much, brother. You know, I mean, did I did I tip off my? I understand that you know meeting a bookie back then was probably illegal, but I can't help but notice. I see advertising where the government is in the bookie business now. Now it's okay. There you go. It's okay now. Still wouldn't use it, rats. Uh, let me go to John. John McKinley Park. Hi, John. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, I had called in about the when I was just observing about that. Internet young case, and it seemed to me that it was a setup. Now the police approach that building. It's got steel frame doors. It's a pretty decent looking building. Very lackluster entry with the battering ram, making a lot of noise but not achieving anything. Then they go through. There's a secondary door inside in the lobby. They got to do it also. Then they go up the stairs, and they and this is on their cameras. We only got about thirty five seconds, brother. Go ahead. Okay, well, this ain't going to work then. All uh, right. Well, I'll tell you what. They're stark naked at 7 o'clock at night waiting for them to come in the door. Well, that's how I walk and around my house. I mean, I mean, I understand where you're going with it, but uh, I like yeah, to walk around stark and, naked. And myself, too. But I, I, do. I don't. Thank you for listening. Thank you for calling. But I do. Macbeth, first thing I do when I go home, stark naked. You're fired. Can't help it. All right, I'll be back in 21 hours. I'll have clothes on.